Hello, and welcome to the Communication Solution Podcast. Here at IFIOC, we love to talk communication. We love to talk motivational interviewing, and we love talking about improving outcomes for individuals, organizations, and the communities that they serve. Today, we've got Casey Jackson on the line, John Gilbert, and I'm Tammy. Welcome to the conversation. Because we have John Whitson Russell today with us, who is hello, wonderful, hello, yes, that we will be <laughs> yes, all the way from across the pond. Yay. So we want to hear more about Hi, you, uh, John, as a fellow uh, mentee here, hello. and um, a very Straight funny person, and all sorts pond. of things to explore with you today. So I know you have some ideas of what to get into, and Casey, you have some questions for him. So uh, I'll let you guys get into it. But I just wanted to say thank you, John, for being here. And uh, we got a lot to dig into. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, Casey or John, start us off with what uh, you would like to get into. I'm just going to start off with just welcoming John here. He just uh, such uh, we haven't spent tons of time together, but the time we've spent together, it just feels like a dear friend to me. Um, he hosted me when I was over uh, in the UK um, doing training on the MICA. After I developed the MICA, uh, John and a couple other mentees from um, from Ireland and Scotland and England had reached out, part of the UK mentees, and said, hey, tell us about this mica thing. And so we did kind of a Skype conversation around it. And they're like, hey, do you want to come over here and do a training? And so I did a little tour over there. And <laughs> John was my uh, shepherd uh, to keep me from wandering off and getting lost in the English countryside. So and then of course, we had imbibe in a couple of uh, uh, I had to understand what really pub life was like. So uh, and he was so, so accommodating. That's all I can say is he was very accommodating to show me what pub life was like. Uh, and scotch eggs, which I'd had before once. And so uh, I went off my vegetarian bent and uh, dove in face first into oh, a handful of varieties of scotch <laughs> eggs. <again>. Yes. <laughs> it was worth every single bite. I've got to say that as well, too. So, so John, just, I, I just want people to know what... I think there's, we all get obsessed with motivational interviewing. I, you know, we're all kind of MI geeks. What, what brought you into the, into motivational interviewing? I mean, to give people a little bit about your background, but what, what got you into, into motivational interviewing? Well, Casey, thank you. And uh, th- I, I want to thank you, John and, and Casey and, and Tammy for such a, a really nice introduction and for welcoming me to your podcast. I'm so grateful to be here and in amongst amazing company. And uh, just to echo what you said, you know, when you came over to, um, you know, the UK to deliver your MICA training, I really, not only did I enjoy the training, but I enjoyed uh, not only, and the company, but I enjoyed being your, it's like a combination of like a taxi driver, a personal (laughs) chef, a personal, (laughs) like we went through quite a lot together and, you know, it it, it was fun and a shared love of of MI and everything around that and you know, I um I feel very lucky. I came into MI early on in um in my career, and I started uh, learning about MI whilst I was at university, uh, training to be. Uh, so I did um a, a bachelor's in sports and exercise science and psychology, 
And really, my goal at the time was to be uh, the best personal trainer I could possibly be to gain some knowledge. And uh, when I went into the course, it was all around the physical for me. What's the best training program I can come up with? What's the best exercise I can give to someone? How can I help somebody to lose weight with, you know, the best program I can give them? And um, it was my probably near the end of my first year of my undergraduate. I'd been delivering some fitness instruction and personal training for a while. And I, 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 I had a lecture on MI. And I, 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 it just spoke to me as being something that I'd never heard of before. And something that seemed really natural and accommodating and respectful. And uh, I immediately went up to my tutor afterwards and said, I'd like to do this as a dissertation. And she said, you should, I mean, probably wait, we're halfway through the first year. Um, you know, let's, let's press the pause on this a little bit. But she said, if you're interested in this, there are some videos in the Gloucestershire University Library. Um, you can uh, watch them on the 12-inch TV that we have with inbuilt VHS player. Um, you know, they were so valuable, we weren't allowed to take them home. Um, and uh, I remember uh, coaxing another one of uh, my friends to come and watch it. And we we went through, um, you know, uh, all, uh, some of the videos that maybe your viewers might be familiar with. So the Silent Man, the Rounder, and some of the other folks um, that, that, you know, Bill, Steve. Classics. Were. Yeah, real classics. And I just remember watching them unfold. And, you know, uh, at the time... I'll wrap this up in a minute, sorry. At the time, having had, you know, clients in the personal training um, gym I was working at, I was thinking, this is, it's me that's the problem, not them. You know, a third of people were getting great results. They were losing weight. They were getting fitter, feeling healthier. A third of people were doing, you know, a little bit of it, they were getting a little bit fitter, feeling a bit happier, losing some weight. And a third of people were just ignoring everything I was saying. And I thought, well, it can't be me. I'm delivering the mm -hmm. same thing. Mm -hmm. And through that work, it made me realize that I needed to change my approach. So that's kind of how I fell into it. Love it. I love that. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah. Wow. It it was an odd moment. So what, brings, yeah. so what brings you up to where you're at now? I mean, part, it, it's fascinating for me, just since you and I got to connect on kind of a professional level and a personal level. So I, you know, have a little bit of an eye that follows part of your trajectory with motivation and just professionally, where are you at now? And what are you kind of involved in and, and how you're trying to expand your knowledge and spread the word? Well, as you, so you are a self-described MI geek, and yes. I would uh, probably put myself in that geek nerd category for MI behavior change, just fascinating and uh, trying to build it into every level of what I'm trying to do. And uh, m m my roles morphed from being a personal trainer into um, a national health service um, health trainer. Uh, we were called at the time a health coach. So um, employed by the National Health Service to see people one-to-one -one and in groups to help people to make behavior change around lifestyle. And um, working with people, you know, from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life and really enjoying that aspect of the delivery, but wanting more responsibility. 
And uh, really, at that pathway in the career at the time, the responsibility was through team leadership, management, um, and that's the kind of path I followed. And I moved around the country uh, doing various different roles, managing healthy lifestyle services. And uh, what I found was the kind of crisscross between MI and, and leadership. I was starting to put more of my MI into one-to-ones, into supervisions, into not like inspiration, but in helping draw out from my team where they wanted to go with people. And as someone who hates being told what to do, it kind of fitted with my mould quite well. And so I was lucky enough to get a role in Gloucestershire um, as the Director of Healthy Lifestyles for the county. And uh, recently, um, last week, um, I've started a new role uh, in my organisation as uh, the Director of uh, People, Progress and Positivity to spread... Whoa! I know, right? I'm so excited. Um, I just want and- to pause on that that title. The director of people, <laughs> progress, and positivity. Yeah, I'll John, tell you what. I want to cite you cool. out because I, I just figured, John, you that's where your picture would line up if there was that job description. They just have a picture of your shiny little face right next to that job description. So I just think they put that in there, and then you just happen to show up. And they go, "This is the guy that we actually built the job for." Yeah, that's yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled to hear that, Casey. Thank you. I. I I'm so excited about it and I feel so privileged to have a role where we can build a culture like I've tried to build within the county of England that I work uh, within. And my goal with the team, it's a relatively small team. It's a team of 20. And my goal was to instill an MI culture, a behavior change culture of autonomy and purpose and you know self-fulfillment and through that we've got positivity we've got progress we've got purpose and we're performing really well and I, you know the organization i work for has, has has recognized that and wants to spread that across the organization and you know to try and integrate that into our leadership philosophy i suppose you know I what like i that. love about that john is I remember years and years ago when I was I was minted in 08 and one of the first conferences, the first forums I got to go to was in San Diego. Yeah. And I remember I was doing work with organizations. I mean, that's why I when I started my company, it's the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change because I was connecting those dots. And I remember one mm-hmm. of the main speakers who wasn't a mentee. Mm. Um, said that, well, yeah, your method of communication is phenomenal. It's great for what it does, but it's it's not really designed for organizational settings. I'm scratching my head thinking, well, I've been using it in organizational settings for the last couple of years. So it's very fascinating that you don't think it fits in organizational settings. But I I always, you can see this evolution in motivational interviewing, like with the lead group and Mm. in in the world that so many people are looking at motivational and leadership and integration in that. And I just think that I, I, I think that if you're a, you know, in the geekdom, like we are, I don't know how you can continue to explore and not start to see systems impact and, oh, and yeah. look at just basic structures. So to hear you talk about it from that level, you know, because we're not side by side working together, it's just fascinating to think that if you really are invested in seeing 
human change, there's no way it won't evolve to a place where you start looking at system change and how do we conceptualize that that's values driven. I love what you said. Literally, Tammy and I had a conversation this morning before this about core values, about fulfillment, about feeling like you're making a contribution and and that you're operating from these values places. And that if you do that, you do have better outcomes. Mm-hmm. That that level of autonomy. Um, so I just I just really appreciate what you're what you're talking about right now. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, it, it it makes so much sense to me to yeah. me too, and I'm sure you know the people listening. It will make a lot of sense that you know we are in the next era of leadership, and our ability to influence um, multiple generations in the workplace, align values, align mission. You know, uh, from where we've come from in you know in 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 a more industrial era to being able to do what we're doing now. And to be able to mm-hmm. connect remotely and, you know, spread that culture through MI, they kind of go hand in hand, like the respectfulness, the compassion, the partnership, it just, it yes. just emanates, doesn't it? Um, and But what I'm really interested in, uh, and you said it, it was, it's, it's an individual level that adds up. It's cumulative interest that just builds and builds into something far greater, far bigger than we are personally. And, you know, that ability as a leader to step back and to, you know, be the one that takes all the failure, but not be the one that takes the credit, because you know that if other people take the credit, they'll see that happening and they'll be more likely to give it away. And it's like when someone smiles at you and you smile and then you smile at someone else or someone does a random act of kindness for you and you feel like you want to pass that on. And yeah. I feel like that's where we're going with this next evolution of leadership. Um, you know, that's. Well, and what I like about that too, you know, tying it back into, you just look at things fundamentally shift when people are making decisions based on their values, instead of just trying to get to the accomplishment or the performance indicator. And not that we negate those or that we circumvent those indicators because they're important. The outcomes are important. Mm. But when things are propelled by values-driven individuals within a values-driven organization, how can you not have positive outcomes from that? Absolutely. You know, it, it, and that, that to me, it just, it just fundamentally shifts the culture within an organization. And that's, that to me is just, and that we have metric. That's my obsession with coding and coaching, like developing the MICA. It, it has to do with, there is a rubric, there's a structure where we can get feedback. So it's not just, you know, kumbaya and hold hands and, and, and like each other, that there is metrics behind how do we get better and better at this individually and collectively. And that's, that's where my, my brain just starts to get blown because it's just like, this is just phenomenal that we can be so values driven and see improvements in our, the culture of our organizations and in the products and the people that we serve get better. Mm-hmm. That's why I love the title of your talk. I'm just blown away by the title of your talk. We talked about it being a role, that so many conversations around what the role might be. We knew that this role was important and that it's not just, like you said, a kumbaya kind of, you know, happiness role, you know, that it's you, you are a, you know, and I know there are great roles and people do such good work as things like happiness officers, but we were, uh, we were really keen for this to be, you know, because without getting into happiness, like happiness is a state at the time. And if your goal is happiness, you're never going to be happy. <laughs> yeah. So 
so, so, so actually, you know, can we work on what this positivity looks like? There is always a way to do this. And the, the thing that I'm really interested in is how do you, like, we're talking quite top level, you know, you talk about mission and values and direction and, yeah. and, 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 and that, and all of that is so important, but they, look, how do you drill that down to what does it look like when you're talking to a customer? What does it talk, you know, look like yeah. when particularly like I'm oh really interested in how you have difficult conversations with people in an MI way. And so, you know, before I have any difficult conversation with either a member of a team or, or anybody, I ask myself, like, how can I be compassionate in this situation? How can I, you know, work in partnership with this person? How can I accept what they say? And how can I evoke the best from them? And then, yeah. you know, either walk into the meeting or press that little video button that, you know, and then they'll pop up. Like, how can we do that? But so that's one side of it. That's how you approach it. But then how do you have and how does it how does MI connect with having a really difficult conversation with somebody about performance? Yes. Um, you know, how can we get the best out of somebody when, you know, the KPIs and the metrics and everything else aren't there or people aren't yeah. up to the standard that we think they're capable of? And how do you do that in a respectful way? Um, and that's that's kind of what I'm really interested in at the moment. You know, I think that's fascinating. We there was a project I was working on and they wanted to know they wanted to see if. I had a perspective on updating their annual performance evaluation process. And, and for me, it links into exactly what you said. I said, what it'll come down to is how much does leadership believe in their own vision statement? Um, and are you supporting your staff to enact the mission statement? And then we are going to start your performance evaluation is why did you take this job? What about this fulfills you? And in what ways have you, feel like your behavior is aligned with that in the last year? In what ways do you feel like you would want to up your game so you can be the missionary for what our vision and values are in a way that supports you? And that is, I, I don't know how you get to a better, more, a more functional empowerment perspective that is structured where you can actually come up with measurable identifiers for what support do you need to become the most exceptional employee that enacts this vision. You know, you're the missionary in our vision statement. And, and what do you need to be the yeah, best missionary and, you can be with our mission statement to enact the vision that we're looking for? I, I, that, that to me is such a beautiful structure for a performance evaluation. Yeah. Uh, and would it be helpful if you had some feedback about how other people see your performance and what do you, how do you assess your performance first? And then who do you respect in this organization that you'd like to see what their perspective is on? I mean, that just is such a, it's a comprehensive, supportive, you know, person-centered way of, of supporting autonomy mm -hmm. while keeping well, vision clear. And this is time. where I'm I mean, really curious of, you know, Casey, of course, at the same uh, your time. perspective, just, you and I have geeked out on this I, is it, uh, I, is it, more, but and it's so different uh, John, uh, you especially, when you think <laughs> about, really you know, cool. what your experiences has have been in leadership and you think about, uh, you know, Milo and some of the other MI and leadership things kind of out there, I'm wondering how you, you fit this because Casey, you were just getting at this internalness from the person that's very much aligned with, you know, the MI spirit that's very much aligned with uh, self-determination theory. And then, you know, John, you were talking about having conversations where you can see something in someone that there's this capability of more. And there seems to be a there there as well, almost like a you have more in you, almost like an affirmation sort of thing. 
So how do you fit these things when there's an external, say, performance measure that you genuinely believe that someone can, has the capability to hit, but then that person isn't hitting it, but then you're putting choice back in their lap at a certain point, do you have compliance in an organization? And if so, for compliance, how do you go about those difficult conversations from your perspective as a leader or as a supervisor or as a manager? I'm just wondering what you would help your team out with or what you think about that with those types of conversations where you want to be using the MI spirit and supporting choice. And there is a capability, but there are certain things that maybe due to the way the organization is structured that have to get done by that role. How would you go about that? Or what are your thoughts for, for any of you on that? Thanks, John. The first thing that comes to mind for me is self-vulnerability in this. And something that I try to model for the team is when I do a talk, our, our, which we've just done at the, our Christmas team meeting, um, you know, I get nervous and, you know, I get sweaty palms and my heart goes and I think sometimes people believe that leaders are just so cool and calm and they can just do these things and they they couldn't possibly do these things. And so I'm trying to put other people in the position that they become a leader already in something. And, you know, they find their, you know, why are they doing this? Something you mentioned already, Casey, there. And how do I help the person if, you know, if they want to lean into it to fulfill their own personal mission in what they're doing, what's important to them about this. So they have, you know, their own way to go. And, but when it comes, you know, we have targets to hit and it's important for our organization to hit those targets because if we don't, we won't get recommissioned. We aren't doing a good enough job for the people in our population. And that's not acceptable. Um, You know, especially for us, we, you know, we serve the community. And I think there, you know, for me, there's a combination of data involved in this, knowing that this is the performance and that you are clear on what your performance is. And that at the moment, you aren't hitting that performance. Tell me what's going on for you. You know, we'll follow a coaching role. We're following a, a mentoring role with the person. And then we'll put a structured plan in place for that person to do it. But we are honest through, you know, through the whole way. And um, I think, you know, talking to people about how they're doing, but also with, a, with an expectation, a clear expectation of what I expect from you as a person. And that if they aren't doing that, that we will have another conversation about it and then another conversation about it. And that may involve you exiting the company. Or it may involve you, you know, hitting your targets and moving on to something bigger and better, which you know you are capable of. But at the moment, you might not be demonstrating. And it's that honesty and that, you know, the, you know, for you is, do you want to be here doing this? And almost everybody says, yes, of course, I absolutely want to be here doing this. This is important to me. And then, you know, what, what do we do to get to that? 
and you know but that and, and just sandwiching that in with the vulnerability that obviously it's very hard for the person to have those conversations but it's equally hard as a leader somebody who generally wants people to thrive to have a conversation with someone that puts someone in a position of hierarchy you know un- underneath you um you know and the importance of of how you approach that. Well, I don't know. Others can speak but for themselves. For me, most definitely in a very powerful way. And, and of course... I don't know if that goes um, anyway to answer what you said, on that, Please do. But that that also results to a really curious follow-up to that, it's John, because me. that answers it with flying colors for me in so many levels of being respectful and still having that clear expectation. And what that expectation is, is for funding and thriving of the organization and the existence of the mission and the values and making it about that existence and that thriving more than about the KPIs or whatever the expectation is. It's much more that that is an indicator of us thriving and living for the mission and, and, and the capability and demonstrating that. So all of that answers that I'm really particularly curious too. then. How do you have conversations um, where, Certain organizations I know are out there. I have some friends say in, in, in certain areas that are in leadership and there's a big culture around psychological safety. And so again, uh, Casey or Tammy, feel free also to jump in here. So there's a big culture around psychological safety. There's a lot of things happening in the world around race and other sorts of issues coming mm-hmm. up and things of respecting each other that that you're talking about this performance and this competence. And so how do you have conversations, you know, and again, anyone, but John, especially with what you said, how do you have conversations about competence? If there seems to be a lack of either competence or a lack of that capability, even when the supports are in place, um, when that's been, kind of supported as best you possibly can. And yet you're trying to have psychological safety and trying to respect all the dynamics of the situation. How do you, yeah. what are your thoughts about Great that? Question. That's, uh, would, uh, would, would you mind if I just say what's front of brain for me now? And just, um, I think if there's a lack of, competence it indicates a lack of confidence and I think what uh, when I'm identifying with folks especially new people coming into the organization you have people who have been here for for quite a long time and it's intimidating people don't want to speak up they don't want to say what's on their mind and actually those people the, the ones that are coming in are the ones that are going to be better able to notice and we know that a length of service in an organization doesn't predicate your ability to achieve and so the, the, the psychological safety aspect of it, you know, I have a lot of one-to-one meetings with team to try and build that confidence in people. And, you know, there's a, there's a few people specifically, if they're interested in learning about MI, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about the things that are most challenging for them, so whether it's complex reflections, whether it's you know, how do you anchor the four processes in your conversations, for example, you know. How do we start to build that through a coaching conversation with people? But also, how do you specialize? So I'm trying to say, well, you know more about something than everybody else here. And it's about finding out what that is. 
And so whether it's somebody who might co-train with me delivering an MI session, somebody who might look to do a talk on diabetes management or the stages of change model, um, or um, we work in smoking cessation. So if you have a specific um, expertise in vaping or whatever it is, I'm trying to cultivate that mastery in a specific topic for each person in the organization so they feel confident and competent that other people will go to them when they're unsure. And so it's like that building of each other in a way, you know, every time someone says, oh, could you just help me with this? You, you, you're kind of aligning your expertise. And so by building people's confidence, you know, my belief is that it builds their competence. I love that. The one thing that I'd add to that as well to link to it is mm. building off what we we're talking about earlier with organizational or leadership in motivational interviewing, I think it also lends itself to our hiring practices as well. Um, because sometimes we do it out of desperation if the competence isn't there or, and I think in th this day and age currently with hiring, you know, trying to find workforce to hire, um, I think those are things that are really important as well too. Yeah. And so what I look at is in your hiring practices, it's part of the organization should be looking at competence and even if competence is low, but the person really believe this is what I love what John, you're talking about, even if confidence is low. Um, but they have a competence there or competence is low and confidence is high, then it's the role and the responsibility of the organization to make sure they're cultivating that professional because it's part of our duty in any organization is to also evolve a workforce as well, too. So I, I, I love the the individual nuance you're talking about for the individual. And then I think organizationally, we do need to be more savvy in our hiring practices. And once we hire, how are we developing in a way that's non-traditional. I know in American government, it's just not a very nice way that they do annual evaluations. Um, they know that they're not going to get fired. Um, they know that it probably doesn't have much to do with anything when they write down their performance evaluations and it leads to mediocrity. And, um, and this, what we're looking at is how do we keep evolving towards our vision, mission, and values and build confidence and competence in a workforce, not just for ourselves, but if that professional goes on to another organization that, that we contribute to the growth of the field as a whole. So I mean, they're just, again, it's that individual and organization and structural level that I think is just absolutely fascinating. And that we have a absolutely. method of communication absolutely. that's and measurable. for me too, what that, that wraps around is what, to what that uh, this Casey, is what you were just saying. We want to go um, individually and collectively. Hiring that, that's what ties us all together. -go, what's the culture we're hiring in? And then Love John, uh, what you talked about at the beginning, then there might be conversations about high confidence, low, at least demonstrated competence to have in the ways you talked about in the beginning of feedback and having conversations and supporting it at a certain point, then you either can or can't continue supporting. And the more you have that baked into your culture and the more that is an objective measure with data, the easier it is to explore that, but still with the MI spirit. So that to me wraps it all the full way around of thinking about as a leader, what's the culture I'm creating and how am I going about those conversations? So anyhow, that was really um, quite, quite comprehensive. And at the same time, I want to keep talking with you, John, but I know we're also coming up to our time. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
I know he's just right there, so I feel like as soon as we wrap this up, I just want to run over to his place and grab a cup of tea with him right now. It's annoying where I'm at, so it's just unlimited. You're all welcome. I love it. We'll be there yeah. in about uh, 15 hours. <laughs> I'll put the kettle on. That's fine. I'll, I'll put it on. It'll, 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 I think, you know, just while the kettle's boiling and, you know, I, I think like, you mentioned, Casey, about, you know, mediocrity. And I, that I think for, for most people, you're, you want something special yes. in your role. And, you, you know, when somebody says, what do you do? You know, I mean, that is such a broad question. And we generally answer yeah. with a work-based analogy, and maybe that's cultural, and trying to, you know, align people with 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 mission and values that actually your what you do is special and important and needed and necessary, and aligning it with the contribution that, that whatever your role is, you know, a lot of the people that I work with are direct deliverers. But we also have 30% of the organization who never directly deliver anything but feed into that. And, you know, and this definitely isn't all me. There are, there are much better people in the team of people I'm fortunate to work in who are better at me than me at delivering these specialisms to help grow people's confidence. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to their ability to be able to, you know, to, to signpost to their greatness and, and, and for them to help guide somebody along. And hopefully we're building this culture where when someone needs some help, we can signpost them to someone who has a specialism in that area who can help them grow. And that adds another building block to their confidence as well. Um, and John, yeah, I love how you brought that together there. I, I just got to tell you, now my brain is going to run off of this for days and days and days now. What you just uh, wouldn't it be fascinating if from this point forward, what people said when you say, well, what do you do? The people listed their mission versus their title. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. Yes. It'd be very different. Be like, what do you do? And to, that, I mean, when you said that, John, that just triggered me. And I thought that is fast. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. Um, the people just rattled off their mission statement. What do you do? Uh, I improve the lives of people around me with the communication method to help them become the people that they want to be. Yes, exactly. I, I would just be startled into seeing how people would respond to that. Like that, I don't think if we rattled off our mission statement, but it would create yeah. so much okay. intrigue yes, well, and like, interest. I want to keep going yes, super well yes, for the same. John Wits and Russell, um, if we yes. can have you back, that would be absolutely wonderful. Um, but, well, John, yeah, this John is, Gilbert, you going to take uh, us out of this? So, so rich, and there's so many other things to go into that I'm also going to be thinking about Me multiple too. things we talked about as well, Casey, to, to what you were saying. But um, that being said, that. for now, hopefully all of you that are listening got some value out of this, that it helps you with the individuals, organizations, and communities you serve, as we always like to say, and that this can be at least a solution, if not the solution, to a communication sort of method that changes your world. In this case, doing that with organizations, but as you can see, all the way down to the individual and how you have those difficult conversations, but also how you set up culture really is what we're talking about and hopefully we get to talk more about that with you john uh in the future and for now 
wishing you all the absolute best. Is there anything else to say before we sign off? Well, I just appreciate you coming on, John. Thank Can't you, wait John. to hang out again. Thank you all for having me so much, and I'd love to come back. Yay! Oh, yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you for listening to the Communication Solution Podcast. As always, this podcast is all about you. So if you have questions, thoughts, topic suggestions, ideas, please send them our way at Casey at ifioc.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y at ifioc.com. For more resources, feel free to check out ifioc.com. We also have a public Facebook group called Motivational Interviewing Every Day. We have an amazing blog and we have lots of communication tips on our website. In addition to all these amazing resources, we do offer online public courses on our website on motivational interviewing and effective communication strategies. Thanks for listening to the Communication Solution by IFIOC.